Olá pessoal, tudo bem? Welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we talk to the builders, entrepreneurs, and influencers from across the Brazil crypto ecosystem. Today we're coming to you on site at Consensus 2023 in Austin. Uh, super awesome time here, super great event. It's always a great event here every year. Uh, today I'm joined by Hodrix Digital, who is the uh, preeminent Bitcoin block. I don't know, how do you describe yourself, Hodrix? What's your... What's your hustle in the Brazil crypto space? You're like the first influencer, Brazilian crypto influencer, YouTuber. Yeah, yeah. Well, good to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, I follow uh, your medium uh, for, for quite some time now. And then uh, it's important content that you created. Uh, I do live here in the U.S. for the past uh, 23 years as well. But uh, I started with crypto um, when I was trying to send money to my dad back in 2014. You know, as an immigrant, you know, you come work for another, in another country, you needed to send money, bank account sucks, you need to send $50, you can't do that. Got into a website, got into Google, type how to send money internationally without using a bank. And there was a video about uh, Bitcoin from this guy called Roger Ver, which <laughs> Bitcoin, I ended up, Bitcoin Jesus, Bitcoin himself, Jesus huh? which I ended up go. going to work for him later on in Tokyo for Bitcoin Cash as well. Uh, and um, I didn't really understood much about Bitcoin back in 2014, but it stayed in my mind. At the time, uh, 2015, I had a really boring job. And uh, basically the whole day I was uh, listening to podcasts and, and, and YouTube videos and more and more. I'm like, yeah, this Bitcoin thing was great. Started learning more about the technology uh, in 2017. Let's say that was my uh, turn point where I quit my job and start a YouTube channel to talk about uh, crypto 100% of the time. And I've been uh, living on crypto or working for crypto projects around the world for uh, since ever since. So you have your you have your YouTube channel. You do uh, kind of daily like, you know, live streams on YouTube and LinkedIn and, you know, kind of doing some technical analysis and price analysis. It seems like you've done a multitude of things since you first got started. But maybe talk a bit about what's your what's your kind of your current platform. You've got this Bitcoin, Bitcoin block platform that you do. Maybe kind of give us some more color about uh, just some of the education and the content that you're uh, you're creating. Sure. Uh, well, as a YouTuber, you know, in the beginning, you just start making videos and you throw it there and then you hope people will watch. And then with time, you get, you start getting more professional. You see other guys growing. You start, you know, creating more, better logos, better thumb, you know, better quality. You better, you buy a better mic. You improve your YouTube until you realize that, like, hey, wait a second, this is actually a business. I can turn this into a business. Yeah. So my social media before everything was under my name, and then I changed to Bitcoin Block, more generic name, basically because um, I was getting sponsored by KuCoin. And then I got a job at Coinbase, at uh, uh, Bybit. So <laughs> I could not, you know, work for one exchange and promote another. So then I changed uh, the name to Bitcoin Block, more of a generic, but also then we standardized all of our social media. Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Spotify, everything. And we also launched a news website called bitcoinblock.com.br. And then what type of material are you, or what type of education are you providing? Is it kind of like general market commentary? Is it more focused just on Bitcoin or a particular ecosystem? Or is it more focused on just like kind of trading and price? Or maybe what's, a, what kind of, what's your, your kind of niche you're honing in on? Yeah, yeah, good question. Uh, I was never into trading. Uh, I'm a, what they call a mondial face or lettuce hands. <laughs> I can't do trading, not for me. Uh, so I start working for, for projects, for crypto, whoever wants to pay. As I tell people, in 2017, I stopped working for paper. 
So if you want to hire me, I do a lot of work. I do a lot of several positions and jobs, but uh, pay me in crypto. I don't want to get paid in, uh, in paper anymore. Uh, but what put me on the map was that uh, in 2018, uh, on my channel, uh, I have a Brazilian passport, even though I live here in the U.S., right? For, for many years, I still have a Brazilian passport. The Venezuelan community of uh, Dash Digital Cash at the moment was huge there in Venezuela. And I had a few uh, lectures on my channel talking about the Brazilian economy in the 80s and the 90s, how Brazil changed money seven times in 15 years. They had over 1 trillion percent inflation in Brazil in a period of 15 years. Wow. Someone in Venezuela saw it and told me, uh, hey, do you want to uh, come to Venezuela and uh, uh, do a couple lectures? Uh, uh, about crypto, about the Brazil economy. We're going through this hyperinflation at this, as we speak in Venezuela. This was back in 2018. And as a YouTuber, you know, you pull your phone. Hey, everybody, I'm going to go to Venezuela, you know, check it out. My channel is going to be cool. So I started recording my experience going to Venezuela. I got, I bought my, my plane ticket through uh, uh, cheap flights that they used to have uh, access. They could pay with uh, Dash at the time. Over there, when I landed, uh, there was a community member who had a taxi driver who only accept crypto. So I paid crypto and then I recorded that. And then we went to a restaurant. We paid with, with Dash. So we paid the hotel. So after a week, I had about 50 hours of video and interviews. And, and I'm like, well, I cannot just do a video log as a YouTuber. So I call it a documentary called Venezuela and the Cryptocurrency Revolution. And I recorded in English, then another version in Portuguese. But that's what put me on the map. You know, I ended up putting it on YouTube, got translated to seven different languages. And in 2018, there wasn't many people doing this, you know, spending a whole week with a wallet on your phone and being able to spend crypto. So from that documentary, I ended up going to Colombia by the invitation of another community, shot another documentary there showing the Venezuelans that were working in Colombia during the migrant crisis when people were fleeing uh, Venezuela because of hyperinflation, communism was destroying the country. Uh, that's when they switched the money from Bolivar to Bolivar Soberano. So there was millions of uh, uh, Venezuelans who left Venezuela and went to Colombia. They were working there, which was a little better economy, but sending money back to their families using uh, a crypto. You know, two, three dollars every week, five dollars. And I, and I showed that. Later, then I shot a documentary um, through the Brazilian, the Swiss consulate in Brazil, where they invited me to go to Crypto Valley and follow the Brazilian delegation of uh, investors, startups that goes to Crypto Valley every year to see how they can set up shop there. So the third documentary was kind of different. It was more about interviewing a bunch of lawyers, regulators, bank system. And it was very interesting to see while Venezuela and Colombia were trying to push crypto away, Switzerland was like, hey, come to us, bring your business, just prove to me that your money is legit. It's not some funny money, some from some funny, funny business. And you can have uh, your business here fully licensed with a bank account. So that was actually a pretty uh, a documentary that uh, ended up getting a lot of views on YouTube. There was a channel on uh, Europe called Plot11. I think they have like 2 million subscribers. They ended up uploading all my documentaries. And two years ago, I went to El Salvador and I shot my fourth documentary called El Salvador and the Cryptocurrency Revolution. So my YouTube channel, which became Bitcoin Block, 
was born out of this, you know, talking about projects, experience, and today we're focused on news, PRs, we do step-by-step -step projects. I do have a professional trader who does technical analysis. I have a team of research now that they have uh, the Honey Badger. They do a, a, a research technical analysis that you can have access. And then we grew a little small YouTube channel that I was showing my experience living out of crypto into a, uh, a mid-sized uh, social media channel uh, today in Brazil. Wow, that's super impressive. That's yeah. very, as a, I guess as a content guy myself, I'm like, that's sort of, I'm like aspiring to do what you're doing here to, to kind of build up to what you're doing. It's like, it's a lot of grinding. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of consistency, right? Like you gotta, you know, you gotta keep kind of showing up every day. You know, yeah. you hope for that one viral video, you yeah. know, that kind of that one moment that really kind of, uh, you know, it gets you some hockey stick growth, I guess, but it's really a matter of like, you know, you got to keep putting it out. You got to keep being consistent and, um, yeah, I kind of keep kind of skating to where the puck is going essentially. Um, maybe talk a bit more about what else you're involved in, in the Brazil market specifically. I know you're involved in helping involve some of the, uh, helping to organize some different events and, um, just kind of consulting with different other projects. You've kind of, you know, in addition to, you know, kind of using your kind of social media, YouTube brand, uh, you've kind of parlayed that into a few other, uh, opportunities as well yeah uh, one of the things because i never did technical analysis uh so my channel i was interviewing people so uh to talk about hey what you doing what's your project you know what's that for you know can we do an integration so i created a, a tv a program called decentralized debate debate decentralizado back in 2017 where once a week we interview someone important about crypto in Brazil. I ended up interviewing all the CEOs of all the exchanges in Brazil in the past five years, payment processors. I was the only YouTube channel that we brought uh, Congressman uh, Deputado Audio, okay. who wrote the Bitcoin bill. He came to our channel since 2017, at least twice a year. Uh, no other YouTube channel ever invited him. I used to invite him. He used to watch. He watched the documentaries and mentioned several times to me as well. So we are proud to say that we help the congressmen in Brazil. We assist a little bit in uh, with the Bitcoin law in Brazil, you know, to make a reality, which uh, took seven years. At one point, I even uh, by the invitation of BitConf through my network, we brought Deputada Dania Gonzalez, the congresswoman from El Salvador who signed the Bitcoin law. Uh, to Brazil, and that had a debate with uh, the congressman from Brazil, and her, not really a debate, but explaining you know, how fast Salvador uh, did that and how Brazil was much more complex country. So, so the YouTube channel uh, was always more of a political news uh, information that that we build. Uh, so, from that network, that's exactly what you're doing right now. That's what I did. I I attend over probably 150 events in the past five six years. And I would go with my gear, my microphone, my two cameras, and set up everything. And I would go hunt everybody to interview. To, to the point that um, I was uh, one time in Anarcapuco. I was invited to, to speak there a couple of years. Uh, and that's where I met Roger Ver ah, okay. from, from, from Bitcoin yeah, yeah. Cash. This was back in 2017 or 18. He saw my gear. He's like, man, you got to come to Japan, you know, <laughs> to cover Satoshi Vision. So I was one of the only YouTubers who actually went to Japan to cover the release of uh, Bitcoin Cash. Then you all know what happened to Bitcoin, ABC, SV, and all that jazz. <laughs> but, but, you know, back then it was, I mean, a YouTuber guy with a laptop, a camera, 
microphone on my backpack and I travel the world on events, creating content, smart content in Portuguese for people to say, hey, guys, listen, there's this huge revolution happening. This blockchain thing, this Bitcoin thing is going to change all. Not only everybody understood back then, still not a lot of people understand today. It's going to yeah. take time for everybody. But uh, look at this, man. We're at consensus. Yeah. Look at the size of this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 13,000 people it's, here it's that insane. want to learn more about this, right? It's insane. So it's, it's, it's fantastic to see. I, I tell people I've been involved into crypto since events that was only guys. Now we have girls. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's guys, there's you, girls. Yeah, oh, look at that. There's, there's a guy with a puppy. Yeah, there's yeah. someone with a baby. They you bring their kids. kids around here. Yeah, it's like a family-friendly thing. Now, yeah, right? I started <laughs> with just a bunch of nerds talking about <laughs> cryptography, and half of the people understand what we're talking about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's been a good ride, and, and now we see everything as, as the business. We, we build from a YouTuber creating content to actually a mid-sized business where today we help business enter Brazil either legally if they need some sort of license or a specialized law firm we recommend our lawyers in our network if they need some sort of marketing program if they need a biz dev or if they needs a, a, a growth plan to acquire users so we provide all that services besides having a news website with interviews and the podcast and Twitter and the dances on TikTok. Yeah, so yeah. each social media you have to attack with a different strategy for the content, you know, and, and that's what we do today. So it seems like you've been able to successfully kind of, you started off as just doing content, you know, you, you've, you kind of, you know, you, you start off on one, one platform, you know, you get, you get a nice groove going there, you get a nice audience building, you kind of slowly diversify into other areas. Um, and then once you've got kind of this network effect across a variety of channels, then you're able to start layering on kind of additional services and things in, in kind of using the content as just kind of content marketing for this host of other services that you're providing, whether it's kind of like market access or kind of PR or, or just helping with publicity or, or just other types of consulting or, or whatever it might be. Um, it's really interesting because I think, you know, you've kind of occupied this kind of niche space where you're providing this education um, especially at a time when there probably wasn't much else like other Portuguese language education content out yeah. there. Uh, I mean, now there's, you know, there's all, there's, oh, there's, there's hundreds a of lot more. I love it. Yeah. Love there's it. a lot more now, yeah. but like yeah. back, back in that day, what made you opt to go into the, onto the Brazilian Portuguese side of things rather than just making the content in English, I guess. Uh, yeah. Good question. Good question. Um, I think there was a need in Brazil that they, um, I, I wasn't one of the many, I was, I can say maybe I was between the first 10, 20 YouTubers in Brazil talking about crypto. There was guys before me uh, as well, uh, Fernando Urich, uh, uh, Daniel Fraga, which was the main guy, uh, uh, Voepa, uh, and, and other ones uh, that were creating content. But um, I think as, as an immigrant, uh, it was so hard for me to, to get access to a bank account, to have access... Uh, to money and to credit here in the U.S. And, and I saw the importance of, of this payment system, this blockchain, this store of value. Every year they change the narrative. But, you know, and every year someone explains blockchain, Bitcoin in a different perspective. But uh, here I there was already a lot of YouTubers creating content in English. I'm like, you know what? I speak Portuguese. How about I get everything that's happening here? And I broadcast down there until the channel took it actually its own its own direction. It actually, if you see on the channel, I still have a playlist where I interview um, Eric Voorhees from uh, Shapeshift. 
when people didn't even know what shapeshift was. Right. And shapeshift doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> it's a DAO now, right? I interviewed Joe Mad Dog Hall, one of the, the godfinder of Linux. You know, it's some old guy that if you see on a conference, nobody knows who he is. <laughs> but none of this will be up and running if it wasn't for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, th things like this. So um, it, it's important. And, and with time, if you have a business mentality, which I never had, this business mentality I started developing recently, uh, you, you see more opportunities. And w the latest ones is the one when I was in El Salvador shooting the documentary. Uh, and I got really close to, to the Congress uh, in El Salvador, uh, especially with the, um, uh, the uh, Congresswoman uh, Dania Gonzalez, who, who created and helped sign the, the, the Bitcoin law, and uh, William Soriano. And we created a product now that, uh, that we offer. It's not really a product, but today we can take uh, every six months. It's got to be the third time we do that now. I take uh, people who wants to go to El Salvador and learn how to get a passport, a green card, a residency, buy a house, open a business under the Bitcoin law. Mm. Everything legally, how you do uh, your fiscal exit from your own country and how to move to another country legally. Yeah. It's a process that takes time. And so we guide people. And then besides all that, our, our event in El Salvador, we go visit the power plant, the mining operation. We go check it out uh, Bitcoin City, which there's nothing much there now. It's just a jungle. They still got to uh, start it. But we go to Congress. We, we go to some, some restaurants that are fantastic. We go to the immigration. We go to the law firms. And if you plan to live, move to El Salvador... We have a package ready for everybody who wants to get all this information. Oh wow! So it's like it's like a handheld, you know, kind of guided Bitcoin tour, essentially tour is, you know, tour agency for uh, for Bitcoiners, essentially. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> As I joke, I say that uh, uh, I'm a tour guide and I take kids to Disneyland, <laughs> but uh, the kids are the Bitcoiner and El Salvador is the Disneyland. <laughs> so that's what I do. Yeah, nice. basically that's what it is. Nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. I mean, what's your? I mean. Not to you know detour this conversation too much down the El Salvador rabbit hole, but I, I've yet to visit there uh, pre Bitcoin or, or post Bitcoin. Um, but everyone I talk to seems to have like some sort of like extreme opinion on it. Either it's like this awesome thing, or it's like a miserable failure in terms of Bitcoin adoption. And um, you know, I, I guess I don't really have an opinion because I don't, I've I've never been there and to see anything of it for myself. But I mean, how do you how do you kind of? I've always kind of admired what they've done there as far as, you know, even if this thing doesn't succeed, like somebody had to go first to try to do this, right? Like e even if, you know, it's like, it's just like starting a business. It's like nine out of 10 of these things are going to fail, but like somebody's got to at least try, right? Um, and I, I, you know, just given that you've been there, you know, two, three times now and it's, it's, you know, you're not just going there for tourism. You're actually kind of, you know, you know, helping you're, you're, people migrate. Yeah. You're, you're a little more like embedded in the, in the infrastructure just because you're, you're showing people around and you're actually kind of, you have this kind of package that you're, you're offering to folks. Um, we just kind of love your thoughts on, on how this kind of Bitcoin spare experiment has, has been working out there. And, you know, is it, is it maybe as, as good or bad as maybe the, you know, the news headlines might suggest? Well, we got to understand the history of El Salvador a little bit. So they don't have their own money for the past 20 years. Right. So if you're American and you're listening to this conversation and you're wondering what happened to the $1 coin, they're all in El Salvador. <laughs> because you don't see the $1 coin here in the U.S. anymore. It's very rare. Yeah, right, right, yeah. You go to El Salvador, it's everywhere. Really? It's there because it's a cash economy. Right, right. So they don't have their own money for 20 years. 
everything, 100% of everything you do in El Salvador, you pay with the U.S. dollar and coins. It's a low economy, used to be a socialist, third world economy, extremely violent, right? extremely violent. And now you have a president who people call a cool dictator, a modern dictator from our generation, uh, who basically cleaned the house, put 60,000 pandilleros. Pandillero is a, it's a mix of a, a drug dealer, killer, gang member, all together. Uh, he put all those guys in jail, cleaned the country, and are saying, hey, come invest in our country. We've got to accept Bitcoin through our Bitcoin bond system. That's one reality. Second reality, uh, yeah, people in El Salvador, you know, Joe the plumber, the dude who works in the gas station, the, the lady selling tacos or, or, or uh, uh, arep, not arepas, I forgot the name, uh, papu, pupusa, ah, yeah. the little things that they sell there, they're not using Bitcoin. They're not using wallet. Why would they? They have dollar. Just this past two years, El Salvadorians became rich around their economies. Because if El Salvadorian with $500 go to Colombia and exchange, his country has dollars. Colombia exchange rates just plunge it. If he goes to Argentina, so today the Salvadorians are the richest citizens that they have in Latin America. They have dollars. That's the best. Even though dollar sucks, but that's the best one of out of Real, Peso, Bolivar, and all the other paper currencies that they have. So they're rich because everything else is plunging after the, the... So that's actually a positive aspect. Something interesting. And that's how I think I connected with the president in a level that... I saw the president going on national television with his phone, with a TV behind him, teaching people how to download a wallet. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and, and, pretty I mean, wild. <laughs> that's what I did for 20, 30 projects for years. Learn, teach people how to download a wallet, make a backup, and spend crypto. A president of a country did that on national television for everybody. So who spends, who uses Bitcoin? Look around. It's just guys, girls. We're 30, 40. Now there's young people. But, you know, middle, upper class, you know, that's it. That's the demographic here in the U.S. or most of the places. So you have a president of a low-income country, a socialist country, that they have no money going on television and teaching everybody, the guy who sells whatever at the beach or the mechanic or the guys cooking, hey, you can download these wallets and then we got to slowly implement this new money. As you know, we don't have our own money, but this new money is going to work fantastic. There were several problems because basically they did a $30 airdrop Yeah, that you have to sign up with your national ID. Of course, some people had someone else's national ID, sign up with your name. They got the $30. You could not withdraw the money. You could only spend. But that was an airdrop to an entire country. And the most amazing thing is seven people out of 10 in El Salvador never had a bank account. Wow. There's no access to banks. There's only a few payment processors. And now it's changing. But it's a cash economy for the past 20 years. So besides having to teach people how to use a wallet, Bitcoin, blockchain, teach the technology. Realities, are the El Salvadorians uh, using Bitcoin on a daily basis? Of course not. They have dollar. You got to use Bitcoin, goes up and down 7% every yeah. day. It's, it's, it's unreal. But in their minds, people know what's a wallet, people know how to download, and they know what's happening. 
come here to the U.S., supposedly the number one country in the world. You, you go talk to, to, to people about Bitcoin, they have no idea what it is. And, and people speak English. Yeah. Majority of the content about blockchain are in English. Yeah. And even that, citizens are falling behind because the leadership never show interest in showing what it yeah. is. Oh. So, so, so for me, that was mind-blowing. Problems up and down non-stop in El Salvador with the airdrop, with the technology, with the, the, the political uh, opposition making protests, setting ATMs on fire, <laughs> which you could wow. clearly see there was a, a paid group of people from the left sides. I, I even criticized mm. on my channel because I took a picture of the people protesting. I'm like, look at this guy. Look at this, this old dude that's here. I bet you he doesn't even know how to operate a, a phone and send a text message. And he's, and he's there setting something on fire and holding a flag saying no Bitcoin. Those guys, they got a lunchbox and probably 10 bucks to be there, right? Because so, so besides dealing with violence, putting 60,000 people in jail, flaws on the technology, people stealing IDs from other people to get the $30 airdrop, the IMF, Central Bank, international pressure, doing all this against El Salvador, they're still here. Yeah. The president's still buying crypto. J3 from Sam Somal is launching the, the Bitcoin bond. A lot of people still don't realize what the Bitcoin bond is. You know, anybody from the world will be able to buy treasuries from El Salvador and pay with crypto, pay with Bitcoin. And this is what, this is like Bitfinex just received that license there, right? Correct. So this is what's enabling that. that That's what enables. So for example, if I'm from Brazil, I'm in Brazil, I work in Brazil, I pay my tax in Brazil, and I want to buy treasuries from Brazilian governments, it sucks. It's 200 forms, authorizations, you got to put your file, your, your, um, your tax income, you got to give all the information, you got to go to a brokerage house, Sign hundreds of documents, documents, and then you have access to buy treasuries. If I'm in Brazil and from Brazil and I want, I want to buy U.S. bonds, it's a nightmare. If I want to take my money and invest into another country, the steps that I have to go internationally to do this, I cannot do this with $100 or $1,000 or $10,000. It has to be with a large amount of money, money if I want to invest into treasuries from another country, if I live in one country. So now... We got to have a, a little country in the middle of America, uh, basically selling treasuries from the government via Bitcoin to anybody in the world. So if you're in Vietnam planting rice and you have $50 and you like to invest in El Salvador because you think that bond or that treasure is going to go up, you can do that with $50. And that's what people didn't realize. The amount of money that's going to enter in El Salvador, it's going to be phenomenal. Wow. They have a plan to build to build a city, the Bitcoin city near the ports. And I can clearly see that in 20 to 30 years, El Salvador, will, if everything goes how they're planning, will become what we know today as Qatar, Dubai, Hong Kong, Singapore. Wow. One of those fiscal paradise, huge buildings where capitalism goes to protect their wealth and protect their money against governments. Wow. Wow, well, thank you for that. That's the most colorful explanation I've heard, or most colorful description of what's happening in El Salvador. I've heard probably at least in a long time. That's why I created this program, El Salvador Connect, to say, hey, guys, 
You want to protect your money? You want to protect your health, your wealth? I show you where the places are. We go there, get a visa, green card, open a business, hire people, move in with your family, and go protect your wealth because we are under an attack of people that are good, responsible savers. Because if you save money on the bank, you get punished today. You get yeah. very low interest rates. So zero interest rates in the US just basically was to force people not to save money. There's no incentive. Why would so everybody's out of money now? They have this all great reset, not to talk about any conspiracy theory in any of that. But if you made money, and if you have money and it's yours and it's a legit legal thing, learn how to protect your money into a different country because they are yeah. coming after your money and they're gonna come from every direction. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's like one lens that I've viewed, I've begun to view crypto recently is it's, it's basically like just like a hack for financial literacy, right? Where, you know, I went to, you know, I went to high school, I went to college, I went to graduate school and really like I didn't learn anything that was anything substantive about no. sort of how to manage. I mean, yeah, you look, okay, this is, a, this is a budget. Okay, it's like you budget, you know, $100 a month for groceries and, you know, whatever, like basic, like really basic stuff like that. But as far as anything a bit more sophisticated about how the economy works, uh, kind oh, of the business cycles, nothing. you know, kind of uh, uh, even just sort of how to protect your how to protect your funds or how to how to kind of position yourself to where, okay, even if you do end up having Monday money one day, this is how you need to protect yourself. Um, what are the kind of the warning signs you'd watch out for? And, and crypto has just become this like financial literacy hack that has um, you know just really like opened people's eyes. And I think that's one of the reasons that authorities are you know you're seeing authorities in different countries that have traditionally just been sort of first they try to try to kind of shut it down they try to fight you they try to limit it or they try to you know restrict it my fear is that crypto ends up they're never gonna be able to just destroy crypto altogether but my fear is that it ends up becoming almost like you know uh, like napster like music downloading software in the in the 2000s or late 90s right where it's they can't shut these things down but they can make it to the point where okay if you do this uh you know there's a chance that you know the FBI might show up with like 20 goons at your door and like just arrest you for illegally, you know, using, they basically like make it so like the penalty or the risk so heavy to use it that it just sort of scares people away. That's kind of, that's kind of the main, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of like the most likely scenario I see if there, in, 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 in uh, if there were to be sort of a crackdown at any large scale, just because you can't, all these blockchains exist, just like you can't just shut them down. Right. But you can try to, choke off the on-ramps, which we're seeing right now, and you can just try to criminalize it to the point where people are just so scared of using it that, you know, unless you really know what you're doing and you know how to protect yourself and you know how to do it privately, like, it's yeah. best just to not do it, right? We even had, you know, I remember when I was a, when I was younger, uh, in, you know, in my teens, there was a, a woman, like a single mom in, you know, the town, like a couple of hours away from me, and she became kind of like a, a national example. She had downloaded some music on Napster legally, and uh, she's a single mom with like three kids, and you know, she, you know, they they like in a small town, rural Minnesota, and and she, she got downloaded Britney Spears or something. Yeah, like was, I think I remember. Yeah, that she story. downloaded like Britney Spears. It was some sort of Britney Spears yeah. thing that she downloaded without paying for it. And like the FBI or like, you know, U.S. Marshals house. or somebody like showed up at her house and like arrested her. <laughs> amazing. It's and amazing. you know, for copyright, and and, and the that was at that was at the behest of the of like the record label industry, right? Because they were just getting their lunch eaten by the software, right? So they just had to figure out. So they went and had to go lobby for like, okay. It, it was the show. That's what I call the show to use someone as an example. Yeah, exactly. The same as they did with Ross Ubrich and his exactly, website and exactly. many others before, right? 
So um, not that I'm from the future, but I can tell you the future based on my past experience in Brazil. I've seen the money in Brazil die four times. 80s and 90s in Brazil when I was a kid and a teenager, it was a disaster. I remember the desperation of my dad, right? When he would get paid and we had to rush to the supermarket to buy as much things as we need as soon as possible because next day we would probably buy half of the stuff if wow. we wait one, one day. And I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. The government would jump on TV like it did in Brazil several times and say, by the way, everybody, starting Monday, new money, new collar, new bills, pick up at your local bank and make sure you return your old ones. We did seven times in 15 years. Unfortunately, now it's coming to the US. I don't think it's going to be that fast as people are saying, Yeah. but it will come to the dollar very soon. You know the debt, you know what's happening with Congress approving. It's not even billions. We're on the trillion scale. Yeah. Like yeah. 2008, we talk about 700, 800 billion dollars bailouts. Yeah. Nowadays, that's nothing. 800 billion dollars goes to the department of uh, tacos and hot dogs for whatever. (laughs) So we lost lost this concept of millions, billions, and trillions. And I do have my my Zimbabwe bill for 100 trillion dollars that I show on my channel every often. And I'm like, guys, money is paper, nothing more. Now, more and more, the entire planet are realizing this. Social media, YouTube, internet, whatever. People are starting to think and say, hey, yeah, that's right, man. Are, are we being fooled by those guys who issue as many papers as they need? And I sell my time. I wake up every day. I go to work. I take the bus, the train to work for paper. And they control them out of paper. And every time yeah. I have less and less... So people are, people are waking up. It's, yeah. it's hundreds of thousands of YouTubers explaining this in the different ways for people to understand. You, central banks are desperate. There's the CBDC coming. People are saying people are going to use. It's going to be wide adopted very fast until they realize that the government can pause their operation or, yeah. or exclude them. Exactly. And then they're like, what? I cannot use this anymore. So Bitcoin doesn't do that. So Bitcoin it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe maybe like round, on that point to round out the conversation here, it'd be interesting to hear, um, you know, kind of how your listener base or your you know kind of your audience has evolved since you started doing this. I would imagine when you first started, it's really kind of your, you know, your you know back in the mid to mid mid you know 2015, 16, 17 era. It's really kind of your hardcore, um, you know, Bitcoiners, libertarians, kind of you know sound money enthusiast type people. Um, it hadn't really gone mainstream yet, right? Uh, during those years, it was kind of Bitcoin was just immersed in kind of the block size wars, sort of, you know, internal big blockers versus small blockers. It was kind of, you know, to the outside world, it was kind of like, like, who cares? Like, what's even going on here? Um, and then, you know, obviously 2017, you had a nice little pump, followed by a pretty brutal bear market, which flushed a lot of people out. And then 21, 22 got crazy again. Now we're in the midst of another pretty brutal bear market. But, you know, I would just be curious as to like how your audience, the sophistication perhaps of your audience has involved, you know, or what types of themes uh, and content and, and topics are they interested in hearing about? Is it, has it kind of evolved from maybe like that sound money crowd to more of just like, you know, I just want to find out what this is, or I just want to figure out how I can get rich off this, or, you know, I want to, you know, kind of 
just you know figure out like how do I position myself for the future with regards to this technology or maybe how would you describe that evolution? Yeah, uh, so as I tell people, I eat crypto for breakfast, lunch, and dinner <laughs> for the past uh, seven, eight years, and I cannot follow what's happening anymore. I, I, I don't know. Like, if you talk about just blockchain games, you need six months to see what's happening. If you talk about just stable coins, if you talk just about technical analysis and trading, if you talk just about DEX, if you talk about just pool. So what happened is... Uh, I put it together, actually, a research before I flipped the name of my channel and decided which area we got to target. And uh, we are in a transition to become a TV channel. That's what we'll, that's the main goal of the Bitcoin block. I cannot talk about everything anymore. You know, I'm li like mining is something that I know the basics, just to say I can't explain the basics. But there's some YouTubers that have hundreds of thousands of followers just talking about mining. They don't want to talk about DeFi. They don't want to talk about blockchain game. So what we're doing is I'm getting all those YouTubers that know this subject. And each one of them are having a specific program inside Bitcoin block. Mm. Just in the video area, paired with news and our social media to distribute this. And if you come to the channel, you can learn about blockchain games. There's a specific playlist. You want to talk about regulations or political news? In Brazil, there's a playlist just for that. You want to do techno analysis? There's a playlist with the different influencers. So we had we had to divide into very different categories. Web three and metaverse. There's another ten thousand subcategories of what's coming. <laughs> right. So the industry is growing exponentially already, and people cannot realize that yet. For someone like me, that I've been involved into several projects globally. You know, from Bitcoin to Dash, Bitcoin Cash, uh, uh, Chainlink, uh, Dogecoin, other that I was really into it for a while, learn everything. I could back there in 2016 and 17 learn about those projects and know what was happening. I cannot follow anymore. Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible. There's, I mean, look at here. We're here at the CoinDesk. This is sponsored by Brave. Look what Brave did. You're, you're a web browser that, you know, pays you to to use it yeah right <laughs> so um a while back um about uh, last year i was invited by uh bandeirantes tv channel in brazil but the international one here in the u.s to have a crypto tv show right they, they saw my documentary somewhere someone reached out to me say hey you you know crypto we're looking for a guy like you to host a tv show do you want to come and talk so i went there to talk to the direct and everything they were trying to sell a space well basically i had to buy one hour inside their tv channel okay and i could talk about crypto but i could have a sponsor that'll cover the costs it's an interesting model that's how television works yeah if you want to have your own tv show you have to pay the, the tv channel to have your own tv show right if you want to watch uh, 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 a good tv show you have to pay for cable or good subscription while I was talking to the director of the, 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 the TV channel in Brazil, I think they're the second largest TV channel in Brazil today, Bandeirantes, and they have the international channel in the U.S. for the U.S., uh, uh, Brazilians in the U.S. Uh, I told him, I'm like, listen, uh, you guys have to rethink your business model rapidly. Otherwise, you'll be out of business very soon because let me tell you, today, I, for me to have a TV show on, on your TV channel, I have to pay. If someone wants to watch my TV show, they have to have the cable because your guys are the plus channel, premium, whatever. Yeah. They have to pay. This is done. 
Yeah. You want to you you go to what do you call um, Odyssey, Cost TV, Teta. They pay you to watch their videos. The guy who made the video also got money. So in one model, the television, I have to pay to have a TV show and I have to pay to watch a good television. The new business model, they will pay me to watch the TV show. And if I want to have my own TV show, they have they give me the room for free, the space for free. Yeah. They even pay me or they incentivize or they have a treasury and then I can present a proposal and then they can pay for the marketing. It flipped. You're not going to pay for content anymore. Programs, platforms will pay people to watch in their own token, their fan token, or a third layer, fourth layer, whatever it's coming. The same reason why you and me in the 90s, we had cassette tapes and CDs and we listened to music. I remember having like one, a friend of mine, he came in with a, a record from Green Day. He's like, dude, my dad just went to the US and, and he asked me, he brought me a whole bunch of records and we took his LP and we dubbed into tape. <laughs> this industry is done. It disappeared in a decade. Yeah. Television, all this media that you have to pay to watch, they got to be done in five to ten years. If they don't pay their users to watch, I think it's got to change very fast. Brave is one of the examples, yeah. you know, that you navigate. You can, you can use any other one, but every time you're there reading news, you're getting a little fraction of money. In the end of the year, you have five bucks, ten bucks, ten, twenty. Well, yeah. it's this idea of the, the attention economy, right? Where you have like there's just so many options right even if you have you have regular cable tv now it's like a, you know when i was a kid cable tv was like you know like 50 channels maybe now it's like 5000 right yeah. it's like how am i going to decide what on earth i'm at the point where like, i don't even i just don't even watch tv anymore right like unless it's like live sports or something or maybe news or like there's really no other reason to even have there's more engaging things that i can get on demand that like i don't have to necessarily pay for but it's like that idea that you know when when it attention is becoming such a hot commodity right because there's so many things competing for our attention it's not just like watching tv or like reading a book or my own option my only options for entertainment like i there's a gazillion different things i can be doing so if it, it behooves kind of that the platform or the uh, you know the the medium to be basically compensating the users for that attention for giving their attention rather than the other way around me the user paying the platform for the right to be able to consume the content so i think that's definitely one of the things I think as, as content creators, we kind of face this problem, right? Where it's, I've been having a lot of conversations about this, just even at, at consensus here this week, where uh, it's one of these problems that like web three is like on the cusp of solving, right? But we're not there yet. We're not really even close to there yet, I guess I should say, but like the idea is, is on point, but we just haven't gotten to this point where like the content business model can, and can successfully work in a web three setting, right? Where you're still sort of behooven to, uh, you know, to subscriptions, to selling ads, to, you know, issuing an NFT, like it's a membership thing or something like there's not really like, or, or just doing kind of like affiliate marketing type stuff to, you know, kind of subsidize your costs. Like there's not really like, haven't really figured out a way, like how can I, how can we like remake the business model of media and content in a way that's, that's not just sort of, you know, extractive from the user, but it's actually like rewarding to the user uh, and the content producer mutually. But I feel like we're like, we're heading in the right direction. I feel like we kind of have a long way to go unfortunately but anyway so would love your kind of your thoughts just to kind of round out here on uh i mean you've got kind of like one foot in brazil one foot in the u.s like you've got a good understanding of the industry and things have evolved in brazil the last few years and just love to kind of get your thoughts on like you know the next like six twelve months inside of brazil just a lot of things ramping up you've got regulation coming in uh we've got a lot of tradfi institutions coming in offering crypto products now we've got digital real pilots launching uh there's just a lot of stuff going on that is 
there's almost like a perfect storm for like kind of mainstreaming crypto inside of Brazil. We just kind of love your thoughts on like, what do you see happening in the next kind of, you know, six, nine, 12 months? Brazil is going through a very, very delicate turmoil at the moment with the current presidency and, and everything that happened in the U.S. Exactly the same thing happened in Brazil. Amazing. You know, when they invaded the, the capital here, they invaded the presidency house. They're saying it was staged. Now they have videos of the general opening the doors for everybody to get into the presidency's house. It's all over Twitter. So there is a lot of instability political in Brazil. So for those who doesn't know, Lula is on his third term as a president, not in a row. They managed to get him out of jail to compete with the terrorist far-right Bolsonaro, which is Trump's friend. Um, I'm, I, I don't see a very bright future for Brazil in the first six to 12 months regarding the political turmoil that's happening right now which means this will stagnate Brazil economically. Brazil already lost a few billion dollars since this new president took over because as an investor, like if you invest a thousand dollars or a million dollars and you lose that, you know, it sucks, but it's not going to, you know, be the end of the world. But there are some investors that have, you know, $10 million, $100 million. And they're like, well, should I leave my money in Brazil? This leftist from a communist party just got out of jail because of a technicality in the process and he's taking over everybody on the stock exchange already pulled their money out it plunged the stock there's huge talks about uh, uh, nationalization of corporations and companies the other president was selling everything he was like why why the country needs to own the gas company the roads the ports the airports the train tracks the, everything else so yeah. they start privatizing everything because the government just sucks money they, they don't produce anything so the previous president was selling everything was privatizing everything during a war during a pandemic brazil had great economic numbers the new president took over there's huge problems in the congress and the senate corruption everything all this will be the focus for the next few months i don't think they will be very positive for the economy. But on the user's perspective, right, you have options. You have crypto to protect yourself. You have dollar or digital dollar. Tell people, man, you don't want to invest in crypto. At least buy stable coin. Hold your money in stable coin, not in reais. Because, you know, we've been, we saw the reais uh, a plunge or the money in Brazil disappear a few times. But what's tricky is Brazil has the PIX payment system, which is far ahead than any other country on the planet. Boleto is another system that, like paying a bill here in the U.S. is a disaster. You can only pay with credit card. Brazil uses Boleto. Boleto, you can pay any bill on any bank or any supermarkets or lottery house or whatever. They scan the barcode. Everything's integrated. Pix is even better. We got to launch the Real Digital, which is Pix on steroids. It's up and running. It's the Brazilian CBDC. We are far ahead than the U.S., than Europe, than any other country uh, regarding digital payment systems and CBDC. This will be excellent for the states. Horrible for an individual, but excellent for the state. So in one side, we have Brazil with this amazing technology up and running where you can buy a coconut at the beach and scan the QR code and pay with Pix yeah. in seconds, right? But in the other hand, you have a corrupted state 
in a huge turmoil, in a fight between communism and capitalism, that's now the current president wants to take away the autonomy of the central bank who controls PICS and the CBDC. So if the Socialist Party takes over the independence of the, the Bank of Brazil, which before was appointed, but now it cannot be appointed by the president, they want to get back so he can put his friends in command or whoever he can control or the political party can control. So on these big aspects, we have to sit and watch. Because the next 6 to 12 months in Brazil, I think there'll be a lot of political agitation. It's going to reflect on the economy. And uh, it's going to be while we are entering the next bull run for Bitcoin. Yeah, it's, it's, a, lot of moving, it's a lot of moving pieces, right? And, and I think you're, you, you make it's a good point in that, just knowing that the politi- political instability is never good for economic develop, like, you know, economic, you know, growing economy, like just generally speaking. Um, you, you do have this, this kind of perfect, perfect storm of, of these new the digital payment systems that have been basically perfected uh, in addition to like the digital real, uh, which is which is great for the state, but it's not so great. You know, it'll be good for the consumers in some respects. But to your point earlier of like up until the government like shuts you down because you exceeded your, you know, your quota of like, uh, you know, carbon emissions or something. So we, we're not going to let you use this anymore. No, no, not even that. We have congressmen in jail in Brazil at the moment because they question the voting system. And the Supreme Court say you cannot question the voting system. You go to jail. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> So if you question the voting system, like your payments get locked, basically. No, you go to jail. You go to jail. You go to jail. You no, know, if your payment get lost, get locked, you're lucky. Yeah, right. You get to walk home and you <laughs> right. get to 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 go sleep in your beds. Yeah. There's a congressman in jail, and now he has to wear the the electronic thing on his ankle there, and hundreds of other people who criticize the government and the voting system. They are in jail. That's where Brazil is heading at the moment. So I'm not very positive about Brazil for the next uh, few months because of this whole political turmoil. Uh, nothing, I don't think it's going to be a civil war or anything like this. But more and more, as I mentioned, Lulitz, he's old. He's on his third term. And that's his last chance to get what he wants. He doesn't want money. He never stole money. He never hide. He just wants to be the dictator that unifies the communist countries in Latin America and just being history books you know i guess i'm not a historian of brazilian sort of politics but is that sort of like in your view that's kind of the unifying theme of his political career or is what are you i guess what are you kind of basing that on i guess well he's a communist they left the political party so they already have a, a project to be voting brazil this week or i think today or yesterday i don't know i lost track of track of time here at the event but basically they want to control 100 of all social media everything that you post would have to be approved by the Ministry of Truth. So there, there's your answer. You have a, the other president said, I will never regulate social media. The new one say, hey, we have to control what people say because if they say that the voting system doesn't work, it's, a, it's an attack against democracy and we have to protect democracy. So that's the speech they're using. People that are in Brazil, they, they've been domesticated their whole lives to follow and obey. I was one of them because I had a mediocre education from state schools from a third world country. It took me years living in the U.S. to understand what really freedom is, to understand what is how powerful it is for you to homeschool your kids. When, when my wife told me about homeschool, I'm like, what do you mean I don't have to send my daughter to school? In Brazil, if you don't send your kids to school, you go to jail. And in school, 
they'll teach whatever they want because there is the Ministry of Education who chooses what the teachers will teach your kids without your consent. And you cannot know what they're teaching your kids. So we've been doing this for 33 generations already. So you cannot change this mentality that fast. You know, so it seems like communism is already embedded in Brazil. And the guy who implemented this, the last one, Lula, that's his last chance to be the guy who's got to put together the Communist Party and united all the communist countries in South America and Latin America. So that, that, that's my point of view. I, 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 am, I am scared. I am scared because I came from this background. I supported. I learned. And until I had to come to the U.S. And, and it's like, why people have guns here all the time? Why people talk about guns? T Texas, today I know the importance of, you know, the notion of property, the notion of protecting yourself, and the notion that the state is here to control. It's this idea that they have to control and manipulate you, and you simply have to obey. No, it's an interesting perspective, um, and it's one I haven't, I mean, on this podcast, I don't really get political on things generally, just trying to kind of cover the, the crypto ecosystem, but so much of this is, so much of the rise of crypto is inherently tied to some of the political factors that you just mentioned, right? And there's a reason that historically kind of the core true believers in crypto, people that have not, are not just in it to get rich quick or kind of jump on the latest thing, they've been these kind of the libertarian, like kind of sound money, uh, kind of freedom maximalist type people where... It's kind of, you know, one of the things, like, even here, like, in the Ethereum community, you know, ETH doesn't exist to make you rich, it exists to make you free, right? And, you know, same thing with, you know, Bitcoin or whatever these things, we need to, you know, progressively move toward just greater freedom and individual freedom and individual sovereignty um, against what, what we're witnessing is just, like, sort of greater, you know, kind of heightened state control of, or the potential for state control of our lives, right? We've, we've just seen this even... Even in the not to get into the whole conversation around you know AI and ChatGPT and all this oh, kind yeah, of stuff, that's, but that's a different that's a whole other thing, right? But you know, this has got to change things even even faster. As I tell people on my channel, buckle up, yeah. because the next five to ten years is gonna be the most revolutionary technological years of humans on this planet. Yeah, and the shift is changing to the individual. It's your responsibility now to learn and go after things because if you're just expecting the states to provide you that information or that money, there's a there's a exchange for them. The exchange is your freedom. So the, this the next five to ten years will be very very different from what we are today. Yeah, yeah. No, I fully agree. I fully agree. And I, I've even it's part it's part of the 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 you know the the mantra of crypto I think and even even with some of these new kind of AI tools and things and just the intersection of all this is like you know what I tell people is look like even if you don't you know fundamentally quote unquote believe in the tech or the ethos or whatever you're behooven to at least experiment with this just at least understand the basics of how this works just to just to kind of stay ahead of the, like you just got to stay like one step ahead of the curve right yeah you know, it's kind of the old analogy of you know, you're being, you know, if you're, you're out camping and a bear's chasing you, like, you just got to be like, you know, you just got to not be, the, don't, just don't be the slowest guy running away, right? You got to be alert. You, you got to be, be alert. You, you're responsible yeah. for, for your attitudes. You, as I tell people, you have to, like, if you're in Brazil, if you're, people still think that they got to work and pay their retirement to the government, which they must do. And then in 30 years, the government's got to pay that money back to you. I mean, people believe that. I think that's a joke. That the business model doesn't work, you know. And it's my fault. I'm 40 today. I, I should have four kids. And out of four kids, two working and paying tax to sustain this pyramid business model. 
I have one kid who has four kids today in Brazil. You know, it, yeah, and it's same thing. Yeah, same thing in the U.S. too, right? Where yeah, if you're going into retirement, just thinking that hey, like I, I paid my social security's you know taxes. Wait, when when do I just go like reclaim all that stuff? And it's like, well, I wouldn't really put all your eggs. I mean, it might happen. I mean, hopefully it does, but I wouldn't count on that happening. So this is, I mean, go kind of going back to our earlier point about just um, you know, this is maybe a good point to close. Just you know, this idea of crypto just being like a major financial literacy hack. It, it forces you to reckon with some of these difficult questions that you know you were never taught in school, or maybe you know you're you're just you kind of grow up and you go to school, you're just sort of indoctrinated with these things. Like you just trust X institution to take care of you here. Like you pay your taxes, the government will take care of you, whatever it might be. You know, I mean, just even learning how central banks work. I mean, I mean, when I was, you know, when I was in college, like we didn't sit around talking about, you know, federal reserve policy or whatever with my friends, you know, but like now it's like, you know, you're having conversations with like random people at Starbucks and people are like, oh yeah, interest rates are going up. You know, people, it seems like, there's just a much greater understanding of these. Yeah. Social all this, media, it's the yeah. technology that allows yeah. us to talk to each other. Because before, like, for example, Brazil, we had two, three TV channels and two, three newspapers that controlled the narrative for decades. And now all of this stuff is available, right? You know, the, the gate is not is not there anymore. But it's uh, it's but there, now there's just like so much information that it's on there. It, it behooves the, it's the responsibility of the individual to be able to, to process this information, and interpret it correctly, because... The issue isn't a lack of information. The issue now is too much information to the point where, you know, you, you just get, if you don't, if you don't have a filter, if you don't have a worldview to sort of process all this, you just get lost and you're like, I have, just, I have no idea what's going on. I don't have time to like read all this stuff. And it's just, it's too complicated. Right. Anyway, Roderick's Digital, thank you so much for joining. This is great. Um, you know, really awesome getting a chance to meet you in person. Been following your stuff for a long time. So it's been great to connect here. And uh, where do, where can folks find you? What's the, what's the best channel for you? Uh, yeah, you can actually find me uh, on Twitter uh, at Rodericks with X R O D R I X Digital, or you can look uh, on our website. It's in Portuguese, but you have a flag there to change to English. It's called BitcoinBlock.com.br. Awesome, awesome. Oh, and also before we go, I just want to thank Brave for sponsoring the CoinDesk Podcast Studio. Great browser, I use it. You get paid tokens for looking at ads. So thanks everyone for watching. We'll be back soon again with another episode from Consensus here. Obrigado, everyone, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.